You're listening to a podcast from Columbia Christian Fellowship in Columbia, Pennsylvania. Our services are weekly at 10 a.m. We hope to see you there. See you guys. Just wait for a few people to get their seats yet. And before I begin to share the word, Art has a testimony that that he would like to give. Thank you, Pastor Hope. Good morning, everybody. Um, I have a testimony <coughs> testimony that I would love to share. The goodness about the goodness of God and how he is. The song we sang, Lord, I need you. And there's times that we do need him. My wife and I, we went for an MRI this week because she was dealing with some pain in her body. And when she went the first time, um, they were saying that it was possible that she had masses on her liver. So we had to go for an MRI to get it checked out. But before that, the church has been praying you, my church family, and others have been lifting her up in prayer and sending prayer before our Father's nose in heaven. And wow, did he ever come through. Excuse me. <clears throat> Let me get a chance to get myself together here. Um, we went for an MRI on Wednesday. And when she went in, um, the doctors were looking inside. And before, let me share, before I share that, I know before we left church that Sunday, Ron had came up and, and, and talked to Jackie before she left. And I just happened to be standing here. He goes, you know, he said, the Lord's going to heal that before you even go in there. They're going to look in there, and they're not going to see nothing. And because I was kind of down that day a little bit, and I'll tell you, when he spoke that word, my heart just grabbed that, and I just held on to that, even though I was hearing other things from the outside. But I'll tell you, God moved. When that word went forth, God had already, it was already in motion in the air, in the spiritual realm. And when we went there on Wednesday, and she came out, we were waiting on a report, and we finally got the report, like, earlier in the week. And she began to read it, and it said that when they looked in there, there was no masses, and they said that her liver just enlarged just a little bit. But then again, that's just going to say thank you for all of your prayers because I realize now God has shown me how much the body needs one another. You know, I was sharing with uh, uh, Pastor Hub and, 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 and uh, someone else this morning, I was saying about, you know, when your thumb hurts, even though it's your thumb, your whole body sometimes hurts. Everything hurts because of that little thing because we are all together, just like this fellowship of believers. When we lift each other up, things happen. So I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for your prayers and for lifting us up and for God moving by his spirit. So thank you so much. Praise God. Today's text is the same as last week, but this week, a different focus. So Justin's going to read Acts 14, 1 through 19 for us. 
Paul and Barnabas in Iconium. The same thing happened in Iconium. Paul and Barnabas went to the Jewish synagogue and preached with such power that a great number of both Jews and Greeks became believers. Some of the Jews, however, spurned God's message and poisoned the minds of the Gentiles against Paul and Barnabas. But the apostles stayed there a long time, preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord. And the Lord proved their message was true by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. But the people of the town were divided in their opinion about them. Some sided with the Jews, some sided with the apostles. Then a mob of Gentiles and Jews, along with their leaders, decided to attack and stone them. When the apostles learned of it, they fled to the region of Lycaonia, to the towns of Lystra and Derbe, and the surrounding area. And there they preached the good news. Paul and Barnabas in Lystra and Derby. While they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, so he never walked. He was sitting and listening to Paul um, as Paul preached. Looking straight at him, Paul realized he had faith to be healed. So Paul called to him in a loud voice, Stand up! And the man jumped to his feet and started walking. When the crowd saw that Paul had done what Paul had done, they shouted in their local dialect, these men are gods in human form. They decided that Barnabas was the Greek god Zeus and Paul was Hermes, since he was the chief speaker. Now the temple of Zeus was located just outside the town. So the priest of the temple and the crowd brought bulls and wreaths of flowers to the town gates, and they prepared to offer sacrifices to the apostles. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard what was happening, they tore their clothing in dismay and ran out among the people, shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We are merely human beings, just like you. We have come to bring the good news that you should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. In the past, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways, but he never left them without evidence of himself and his goodness. For instance, he sends you rain and good crops and gives you food and joyful hearts. But even with these words, Paul and Barnabas could scarcely restrain the people from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of town, thinking he was dead. Thanks, Justin. You may be seated. Same text as last week, different focus. And small crowd, but I'm guessing those who are here, God wants us to hear this message. Normally, that would be a great thing, right? I'm not real crazy about this message that I'm preaching today. It's not my favorite subject. Without a doubt, opposition and persecution are a theme that runs through this entire passage that he read. Every city to which they came, they eventually faced opposition and persecution. Last week's title was The Reality of Opposition, Persecution. This week's title is A Biblical Mindset, towards opposition and persecution. We have a purpose today, and the purpose is to help us develop a biblical mindset towards, towards opposition and persecution. How are we to actually think about it? How are we to react to it? If we think about it properly, we'll react to it properly. If we think about it wrongly, we'll react to it wrongly. Does that make sense? So as we get into this matter of opposition and persecution, I thought the the first thing we should do is at least define those two words, 
get some kind of working understanding of what they actually are. This is what they are on the screen. Opposition means to oppose, to stand against. And opposition can be active or it can be passive. Persecution, on the other hand, means to pursue, aggressively pursue, to pressure, to harass, to torment, to mistreat, to bully. Words you hear a lot of in our society today. And persecution is always active. Opposition can be active or passive. Persecution is always active. Persecution actively does something that's tangible or physical against you. There's an intention behind persecution. The one or ones persecuting intend to render you ineffective. They, tend to, they intend to disable you. They intend to stop you from succeeding. They intend to destroy you if possible. Now, in our context, I mean, there's opposition and persecution for many reasons in our world. But in our context, it's opposition against, it's persecution against God, against his kingdom, against his plans, his purposes, his ways, and especially his people. The way Satan tries to stop God from operating in the earth is to get at his people. Because why? God works through his people. We have a tendency to think, oh, he'll just do it. You read through Scripture, I'd love to say all, but you got to be careful of words like all and never. But almost all the time, God works through a person, through his people to accomplish his purposes. So how does Satan try to thwart God's purposes? He gets at God's people. Again, that makes sense, doesn't it? Satan especially comes after those who determine to live wholeheartedly for God. Those who have determined somewhere along the way they're going to serve God, they're going to live for Him, His kingdom plans, and His purposes. We said last week, jokingly, and I hope you understand this was jokingly, there is a way to avoid opposition and persecution as a Christian. Just don't live for the Lord. You'll greatly lessen the opposition and the persecution that you face. Is that what you really want when you stand before the Lord? You know, there's a judgment, a great white throne judgment, where those who did not accept Christ are sentenced into the lake of fire. But we're not scot-free because there's a judgment seat of Christ where we come before Christ to answer for the things we did in serving him. Not, not sin, that's, that's taken care of. If you're at the judgment seat of Christ, you're in. That's the good news. But we will give an account for how we lived our lives as a Christian. Opposition and persecution, they take many forms and different looks. Some are just mildly annoying. Someone laughs at you when you try and tell them about Christ. Others are life-threatening. People are actually literally losing their heads for a testimony of Christ in this world. So let's turn our attention now to developing a mindset, a proper mindset, a biblical mindset, towards opposition, persecution. 
1 Peter 4, 12, 15. It's one of my favorite verses. You've heard me say it plenty. It's actually in many of your Bibles. It'll have a, a, a um, subtitle, Suffering for Being a Christian. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through. As if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad. For these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed. This is going to be the primary text for today's message and next week's message. I was hoping one message on persecution. Looks like now we may have three or even four or perhaps five. That's not my favorite topic. The first lesson or the first principle developing a proper mindset is we need to expect it or at least anticipate it. Having this attitude might not lessen the pain of it, but it will allow us not to be so shaken by it. Or respond wrongly to it. When you're caught off guard, when you're caught unexpected, that's when we often knee-jerk react. But if we're expecting it and we're prepared and we're anticipating, then we are, are able to better react, properly react to what we face. We unfortunately do both of these. We get shaken by it and we respond wrongly to it. Amen? You mean that amen, right? You're not just yelling it out. I want to define the word surprise. It means caught off guard. It means caught unexpected. Do not be caught off guard. Do not be caught unexpected when opposition and persecution occur. The word strange means unusual. It means out of the ordinary. It means abnormal. Don't think it unusual. Don't think it out of the ordinary. Don't think it abnormal when you face opposition and persecution. Expect it anticipate it, therefore be prepared for it. Opposition, persecution especially, they often come when we least expect it. It happens suddenly. Man, I didn't see that coming. Have you ever said that? I didn't see that. So I wasn't ready for it and I wasn't prepared for it. And when it occurs unexpectedly and suddenly, if we're not vigilant, it can rock our world. It can shake our faith. It can make us question, doubt, turn away. It leaves us confused. It leaves us bewildered. But wait, wait. How can God love me when... Have you ever thought that? How can God love me when... It can cause fear, and it can cause intimidation. Well, I don't really think I'm going to say anything. I've seen what happened to... It can cause discouragement and disillusionment. What's the use? Let's just stay under the covers and pray that the rapture happens tomorrow. And some of us can fall into that trap. All of these are not good. And all of these things we just talked about, our world being rocked, our faith being shaken, becoming confused, becoming bewildered, becoming fearful, 
allowing ourselves to be intimidated, becoming discouraged, becoming disillusioned, which many of us know far too well. They're not good, and the devil loves to stir those things up in God's people. Because all of those things are designed for a purpose from his end, to render us ineffective as kingdom workers, to disable us, to put us out of working order, to disrupt, to destroy, if possible. And I'm going out on a limb here, but I think there's a place for an amen. That has happened to all of us. Amen. We have allowed the devil to do those things to us. So again, the first lesson or principle in developing a proper biblical mindset towards opposition, towards persecution, expect it. At least anticipate that it may happen. It's hard for us. We haven't experienced that much of it. There's two reasons for that. One is it hasn't hit the Western world like it hit other areas of the world. Because we, America especially was formed on Judeo-Christian uh, principles, Judeo-Christian principles. And so God has blessed our nation, and we've seen little, at least high-level persecution. That's one reason why we haven't experienced it. The second reason we haven't experienced it is because we really haven't been that wholeheartedly living for the Lord. We haven't really been out there on the cutting edge of the mission field opportunity, looking for opportunities to talk to people about Jesus and being bold. And so we haven't really incurred much persecution. Both of those things, are you listening to me? Both of those things are going to change quickly, or at least possibly change quickly. God, because our nation has turned away from him, is withdrawing his protection, his blessing, and his favor from our nation. Maybe you've noticed that. And as that happens, the door will be open for persecution. And it's going to cause the church to have to make a decision. Either I'm going to live wholeheartedly for the Lord, or I'm going to become fearful and intimidated and all of those things. So both of those things are about to happen. That's why I think God's bringing these messages to us. I'm not, honestly, I'm not gloom and doom. Um, because personally, I think there's a lot of hope. I'm greatly encouraged with how the church is arising in this day. But if that stops, if the church doesn't carry through, then this is what we'll face. And we may face a bit of it anyhow. And that's why we're being prepared, just in case. So I have a question for you. Why should we not be surprised? Why should we not see it as strange or, usual or unusual when opposition and persecution break out against us? Anybody want to take a stab before I move on? They have... Nice. They hated Jesus first. Did you look at the notes back there, Barry? When you were putting them on the computer? They hated Jesus first, and you'll see in a minute, if they hated Jesus, they're going to hate you. They're going to hate me. The world we're talking about. Those who don't have any time for Christ. They doubt their faith, and many of them don't even have faith. The question is, why should we not be surprised? Why should we not see it as strange or unusual? Well, first of all, because we just read that. Don't be surprised. Don't count it strange. So right there it was. And if you remember last week's message, I know that was a whole week ago, but it was the reality 
the reality, the reality of opposition and persecution. For believers, for followers of Jesus, these two things are a reality of life on earth. Although, again, we've been pretty much exempt, but you can see that's about to change. It's all through Scripture, and maybe you've seen this, maybe not, but it had its origin way back in the beginning. Genesis chapter 4, verse 8. One day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Let me make a long story short. Usually I'm good at making short stories long, but I'm going to make a long story short. At the original creation, when God made man, all was good. Actually, he used the expression very good, which is perfect. Couldn't be any better. There was no opposition. There was no persecution to deal with. There was no suffering. There was no adversity. There was nothing negative at all in the original creation. However, Satan, in the form of a serpent, tempted Adam and Eve into disobeying God. Bam! The first sinful act. Mankind was now, because of Adam and Eve, mankind was in disobedience and broken fellowship with God. What once was one, was unity, was harmony, was peace, is now broken and disarray. Get that? It didn't take long for sin, that's what it's called, disobedience against God, broken fellowship with God is due to, and it is sin. It didn't take long for it to manifest in the human family. Because sin, see, fosters, are you listening? Sin fosters divided allegiance. Some wanted God in his ways, and some didn't. And that's what leads to opposition and persecution. Abel, he decided to live for God. He decided to live in obedience to God. Abel wanted to please God. Cain did not. Cain decided to go his own way. Cain decided to do his own thing. He didn't care if God was pleased or not. Conflict ensued between those two mindsets. And the first act of opposition and persecution against God's followers, Cain killed Abel, his own brother. Opposition and persecution of God's people has been a part of life on earth since the beginning. Since the human race was very young, only one chapter away from sin entering into the human race and already brutal opposition and persecution against those who love God and want to please God. So why should we think it unusual, strange, uh, uh, out of the ordinary and abnormal for us to face persecution and opposition? Don't be surprised. Don't think it unusual. Don't wipe out. Don't bail. Don't become fearful and intimidated, confused and bewildered, like something strange is happening. It's been happening for a long time to God's people. It is the effect of sin entering the human race. Now, for the remainder of this message, we're going to look at some scriptures, and the, the intention is to support our principle of expect it, 
anticipate. If you are really living for Christ, if, then expect and anticipate opposition and persecution. To be forewarned is to be forearmed. Some scriptures. But first of all, I have mostly New Testament scriptures, but first of all, I thought I'd just do a real quick run through the Old Testament and just pull out a couple of names at random. You know, the hardest part of this was not what to, what to put in. It was what to leave out because there's so much on persecution in Scripture. Think about Joseph, his ungodly brothers. They put him down a cistern. Job, his unsympathetic friends. Moses faced the ungodly Israelites and surrounding heathen nations continuously. Daniel, thrown in the lion's den. Daniel's friends, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And if you ever want a little ditty to remember them, Meshach, Yershach, and a bungalow. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego were Daniel's friends. King had them thrown in a fiery furnace. Many of the prophets, we've been reading Jeremiah, and some of us are actually getting tired of reading Jeremiah. It's, it's the same old. He's prophesying truth for God, and he's persecuted for it. One of the things that really hit me about Jeremiah that would just totally freak me out, if I'm being honest, he was put down an empty cistern. That's a deep well. It had no water in the bottom, but it had mud, and he sunk down into the mud, and they left him there to die. Claustrophobic. And see, we know, hey, it had a good ending. They got him out of there. He didn't know that. When they put him in, he had no guarantee of rescue. Persecution can be mildly annoying, but it can be life threatening. John the Baptist, King Herod had him beheaded. It's just on and on and on. It's everywhere you turn. Nehemiah, given this great assignment by God, faced opposition, trying to rebuild the wall, he and, he and Ezra. And it's on and on and on. So here's some New Testament scriptures. We'll begin with a teaching of Jesus. Barry, you were right on. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. And might I just add for us as Christians, the world will love us as, our, as their own if we live for the world. And you know yourself, you look out there, it's often hard to tell the difference between a believer and a non-believer the way we live. We live for the world as much as they do. No wonder we haven't experienced much opposition and persecution. But if you don't live for the world and you live for, for Christ, Jesus said, then they're going to hate you. And he also told us, you are, not, you are no longer of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, to no longer live like the world, to no longer love the world and the things of the world. Not people, not God's creation, but this evil world system that has no time for God. That's what we're talking about. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than his master since they persecuted me, Jesus. Naturally, naturally, they will persecute you. Jesus was preparing his disciples what to expect, what to anticipate. The world hates me. Don't be surprised if the world hates you, if they don't understand, if they come after you. 
They persecuted me. They actually ended up killing me, Jesus. Naturally, they will persecute you. And the jury's still out on if we get to the point where maybe some of us will be martyred for the Christian faith. I'm not expecting that exactly, but I'm open to the possibility that if things don't change, that may be where we're headed. You see why I don't really like preaching on this topic? I'm a comfort and convenience guy, not an opposition and persecution guy. I'm peace and love and blessing. You know, a pastor, anybody that preaches, they live the sermon before they, before they step into the pulpit. So I love preaching on peace and prosperity and blessing. Hey, Jesus forewarned us. Why then are we so surprised when it occurs as though something strange or unusual were happening? We hit adversity. It's unexpected. And all of a sudden we're like, why? Why me? Why? What? Don't we hear what Scripture is saying? Mark 10, very interesting. Two promises in this passage. One, both great promises because they're from God, from Jesus, but one that you really like and one you're like, what? Peter began to speak up because um, Jesus was talking about all the blessings that people who follow him will have. And so Peter was right on it. And what he's in, in essence saying is, hey, wait a second. We left everything to follow you. What are our blessings? What's, going to, what's in it for us is what he was saying. What's in this for us? So Jesus answered him honestly, which he always does. Here's Peter. We've given up everything to follow you. And it was true. So Jesus said, yes. And I assure you, Peter, that everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or mothers or fathers or children or property for my sake, they will receive now. That's in this life. They will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property. Man, why didn't he stop there? Along with what? To those who determine to live wholeheartedly, all out, radically abandoned for Christ, there's a promise of unbelievable earthly blessing, manifold earthly blessings. And there's the promise of persecution. Many blessings, much persecution as well. Jesus forewarned us. So why are we so surprised when it occurs as though something strange or unusual usual were happening? There are so many of these verses in Acts, I just chose one to, to be representative. This is Acts chapter 6. Opposition arose from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called. Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, and they began to argue with Stephen. Now, if you've been with us, we've studied Acts 6. We're beyond that. We're in Acts 14. We all know how this opposition ended up. Stephen was stoned to death. Stephen literally lost his life for Jesus and the gospel. We studied that already. Shortly after that happened to Stephen, it says great persecution broke out on the church. And they were scattered. Opposition against what they were doing led to persecution of the believers and the church. We've seen in our recent studies, as people have read chapter after chapter in Acts, it's 
Everywhere Paul and Barnabas go, everywhere they begin kingdom work, they face opposition and persecution. Last week, you know, Stephen was stoned to death in, in chapter 6. Last week, Paul also was stoned and almost died. But believers gathered around him. It doesn't actually say they prayed for him, but it sure can be implied. And he was raised back up and he went back into the town. A couple of verses from Thessalonians. There's a town, Thessalonica. It's in Greece. And Paul went there and preached and started a church there. But let's see what he has to say about this matter of opposition and persecution. To the Thessalonians, to the people of Thessalonica. You know how badly we had been treated at Philippi, that's where he was before he went there, just before we came to you, and how much we suffered there. Yet our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of... Paul and his companion faced opposition and persecution everywhere, getting the church started in Philippi. When we get there in our study of Acts, we'll see that he's imprisoned in, in the, like the deepest, darkest dungeon. But it's a great story of God's faithfulness. But he suffered persecution. He and Silas, I guess, was with him at that time. Might have been Barnabas. But in Philippi, that's before they got to, that's before they got to Thessalonica. Then when they got there, they faced much po- opposition and persecution, getting that church started as well. The Thessalonians, the believers from the Greek city who became who were pagans and became believers, formed a church, they suffered persecution. We proudly tell God's other churches about your endurance and your faithfulness in all the persecutions and hardships you are suffering. It's like, darn it, you cannot get away from it in Scripture. Those who became believers in Thessalonica knew something about opposition and persecution once they became Jesus followers. There are just so many scriptures from just about every book in the Bible. We could go on and on. I think you get the gist. I want to close with this, this scripture. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. This is Paul to Timothy. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. But here's what I want to leave us with. Yes, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. And you finish it. I'll read it again and you finish the last three words. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus I'd say God has, has forewarned us so that we're forearmed, so that we expect it, so that we anticipate it, so that we're not caught off guard or think, wow, something unusual is happening. If you are a believer who has determined to live wholeheartedly for Jesus, then expect it and anticipate it. This time we'll stand, have the band come forward. Art, as you come, if you'll just stop at the mic because you're going to lead us in prayer. Or Sonny, I'm sorry. You gave the testimony. Sonny's leading us in prayer. Are you going up to your mic? Very good.
And Sonny will lead us in prayer, and we'll stay standing for worship. Wow. When I used to think about that verse, um, I think, me, Lord, do I have to suffer like that? And I suppose I do. So that's, that's pretty serious. So what do we need in that suffering? We need your Holy Spirit, Lord. Because we, we could not never do this without God's Spirit in our lives directing us through these times and, and hours that we live in. So, Father, we just thank you for the word we received today. Father, teach us. Not that it's just something that we're just hearing, Father, but just, just take that into our hearts, Father, so that we, we just really feel that with, with such conviction, Father, that this is real. This is, this is nothing that you have just said just to kind of wing-ding a word. But we are here, Father, because you have called us as your people. And through that, there will be persecution, Father. We deal with an enemy of this world. He is not a part of you. So that's why that persecution happens, you know, a lot of times in our flesh and just the things that the, the enemy does to us, Father. So we just ask in Jesus' name that you would fill our hearts Fill our spirits, Father, with your spirit. And, Father, let you be the, 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 the main person in our life, the main uh, king, the king of our lives, Father. Let you be the savior of our life, Father. So as we sing this song, Father, we, just, we give this song to you. We give this song to you, but we ask that it become a prayer for us. Father, and just an exaltation to you, Father. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Your mercies have, have never failed us, Father. So we just give you the praise and the glory this morning, Father, as we walk out these doors, that we would just feel your presence throughout this day and through the rest of the week, Father. And remember, Father, I, 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 Hub was praying this morning. He was probably, not only do we need you, but you have placed people in our lives that we can call out to, Father, in, in times of needs. These are our brothers and sisters. So we, we stand in this not alone, but we stand in this together, Father, in unity. So we praise you, Lord, and we give this song to you, and we love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly message. To connect with us, visit our website at blesscolumbia.org.